live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Thursday Night Football is on a bit of a heater of late. Last week, we had Big Clock Brock and the Niners wrapping up the NFC West in Seattle. Tonight, good matchup. Trevor Lawrence v. Zach Wilson in the Meadowlands, a.k.a. Sunshine versus the Coog Hunter, a.k.a. the first overall pick in last year's draft versus the second overall pick in last year's draft. Don't act like that doesn't matter. It does. We're talking about the young quarterback whose arrow is pointing straight up versus the young quarterback whose arrow looks like a crypto market trend line. Oh, and speaking of trends, there is wind in the forecast for this evening. Uh Uh-oh! That's not good for Zach. They are projecting wind. Yeah, ha-ha, good one, Rome. Yeah, except that I'm not kidding. (laughs) Up to... I like it. Up to 15 miles per hour winds. Gusts up to 23 miles per hour. An 85% chance of precipitation at kickoff. All of which makes this the perfect opportunity for Zach Wilson to show a national audience that he has gotten his bleep together. That he's not afraid of a wind. That he can show up and win a big game. And do so in the elements. A big game. A game that's even bigger than the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. He's the same quarterback that once went 18 for 18 in the bowl game. So he's very capable. You know, on top of that, that's a big game for that guy too. Big night for Robert Receipts Sala. Because he's actually been the one having a tough week. Not just Zach Wilson. It was Sala who botched the hell out of managing the clock in the two-minute drill Sunday against the Lions, which might end up being a sequence that cost the Jets a playoff berth. Then he came back on Monday, and he dropped one of the worst analogies I have ever heard on all of us while he was blaming all of us. This new instant coffee world that we're in just does not want to give people time. Eh? Isn't the whole point of instant coffee to save time? This new instant coffee world that we're in just does not want to give people time. Right. It's instant coffee. Anyway, I would like to once again remind Robert Receipts that he's the one that had the quick trigger on Zach, not us. He's the one who put his ass on the bench in the middle of a playoff race, not us. He's the one who made that call, and it was the right call. So why are you coming at us now for a call that you made? And again, I do want to reiterate that the, quote, new instant coffee world. This new instant coffee world that we're in. Makes no sense. New instant coffee is actually an oxymoron because instant coffee has been around forever. Instant coffee, again, is so old it predates humans, essentially. There were dinosaurs walking around, sipping on instant coffee millions of years before there were hot takes about second-year quarterbacks. All of which is just to point out that the J-E-T-S have got a ton, a bleep ton, riding on this game tonight. The playoffs are riding on this. Wilson's job is riding on this. 
His reputation is riding on this. And Bob Sala will not be able to shove all the receipts that he saved in anybody's face if they lose tonight, nor blame it on the Instant Coffee Society. Meanwhile, Jacksonville could not be rolling in with more opposite momentum and vibes. They just beat the Cowboys and the Titans in back-to-back weeks, and they walked it off on Sunday in truly epic style. He drops the throw, looking, looking, fires middle of the field, and that ball is picked off! It is picked off by Rayshon Jenkins! He's running it back along the right sideline! That is going to be a touchdown! That is going to be a touchdown! The Jags are going to win it! On a race, Sean Jenkins pick six. Are you kidding me? How good is that? Wow. What a finish to this ball game. America's team came to the first coast, but this one belongs to Duval. 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 How good is that? Jags Radio. Philadelphia. The Eagles, the Eagles were so hyped on that that they sent 35 cheesesteaks to Doug Peterson at his office in Jacksonville on Monday, which I know sounds like a Philly joke, but it's actually a real thing. They actually did. They actually sent Doug Peterson 35 cheesesteaks. 35? I can't help it, man. It's me. I have it too. 35 cheesesteaks as a thank you for knocking off the Cowboys. You gotta love Philly fan. You gotta love Philly overall. The other thing that's going on with the Jags is Trevor Lawrence's breakout, which is almost being underhyped. Like, I'm not sure people exactly realize the full extent of how well this guy's playing right now. In fact, I know they don't. It's not just one game, it's not just one off. He has the highest completion percentage in the NFL since the start of November. At just over 70%. And that's not all. Since the start of November, Lawrence has thrown 14 TDs and only one pick. A 14 to 1 ratio since the start of November. He's also run for 140 yards and a tutty. And the Jags are 4 and 2, and their only losses came to Kansas City and Detroit. All of which is to say the Jets and Jags could not be heading in more opposite directions right now. And the incredible thing is, the money is all flowing to the Jets. I've seen that line move again a couple of times this morning. The Jets have lost three in a row. The Jets don't even know who their quarterback is. The Jags have won two in a row, and they have never been more head over heels in love with Sunshine Lawrence, who is now looking like the generational quarterback that we all thought that he would be. The guy is a stud. And he's playing great. So you're hanging out with some friends and you're putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. And as the evening comes to an end, people start to head out and you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You're good. You can make it. It's not that big of a deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill somebody. Everybody knows about the risks of driving drunk. 
The results are tragic. They're often deadly. However, that still does not stop everybody from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. This is why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads in order to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe. Plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or somebody else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over, paid for by NHTSA. J.J. Reddick is my guest. J.J., great to have you on. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Jim? J.J., so good and really great to run you down. I appreciate it so much. Listen, before we talk basketball, I want to ask you something. You launched a podcast when you were still an active player back in 2016 when not a lot of guys were pushing content while they were still playing back then. What motivated you to get into the industry and start moving that content even before you retired? My actual motivation was curiosity, uh, probably curiosity on two levels. One, uh, just wanting to ask questions. <laughs> I think I think anybody who's ever uh, been to a dinner with me, uh, you know, has, has knows that I, I like to ask questions. I like to engage in conversation. Uh, and then the curiosity about just doing something outside of basketball, something that was different. Um, at the time when I started the podcast, it it was a little bit about just getting reps uh, in media um, because I, I thought potentially media could be something that I, I do after I retire. But that wasn't really the motivation at the time. It was just more a, a, a general curiosity. I think, J.J., people understand that if you want to be interesting, be interested. I know you understand that. Now, when you talk about media, one quick follow. There's so much discussion, J.J., about the difference between traditional old media and new media. And I think that your uh, point of reference is really interesting in the sense that you understand the new media, right? There's a platform for players to speak directly to fans, but you work for a legacy network like ESPN. So how do you see the distinction between old media and new media? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have had no issue uh, towing the line, uh, finding the balance, whatever you want to call it, uh, between living in both worlds. Um, and even with DraftKings, who, who I've partnered with this year um, and, and, and making content with, uh, I think it all goes together, Jim. I really do. I think there's a place for, uh, I don't like to use the word old. I use the word traditional as well. So I think there's a place for traditional media. Uh, the idea of new media, um, yes, I think that's primarily athlete-driven content um, when we specifically talk about sports media. Um, but Draymond, when I had him on uh, our podcast, we did a live show in New York a few, a few days after um, he had won the championship. And he's, he's a, a person who has largely driven this new media narrative. And so I asked him, I said, Jeremiah, what's, what is new media? And, and you know, specifically, he said, it, it's someone with the experience to talk about the game uh, with a, a level of intelligence uh, that, you know, if you, again, this is not a knock on traditional media. Most traditional media members did not play basketball at a very high level. Maybe they played in high school, maybe some of them played in college, but uh, I'd, I'd venture to say no, none of them played in the NBA. And, and that's not to say you guys don't know the game, but we are bringing a different perspective. I'm not saying it's a better perspective, but it's certainly a different perspective and a different insight. And so you combine the two, and, and I think you, if you are a sports fan, you can get a really complete picture of what is happening in sports because of the two 
old and new, traditional and new, whatever you want to call it. You know, I appreciate that response a lot, and I agree with you, JJ. L- listen, I get it. I understand it. I'll give you an example. I had a conversation with Jerry Stackhouse the other day, and I've known Stack a long, long time, and I have a lot of pride in the relationship that I have with Stack, and I like to think that because I know him and we have that kind of relationship, I get access. At the same time, when I see Stack sit with Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson, there's no way I can compete with that, and I understand that, but I like to see and think that both these things can coexist. So I appreciate exactly what you're saying. JJ Reddick joining us. You mentioned DraftKings. We also have a great relationship with them. So I'm going to ask you about that in a moment. Let me ask you about Christmas Day because you're going to be on the call between the Sixers and the Knicks. New York had their eight-game winning streak snap last night by Toronto. Philly, JJ, has won six in a row. How do you see that matchup? And can the Knicks be more than just a really nice regular season story? Yeah, look, I, I feel like I got very lucky that I get to call this game. Number one, because uh, I live in New York, and so it's not a it's not a road game for me. I'm not missing any time with my family. I'm still getting to wake up Christmas morning and open presents with them. Uh, they're all coming to the game. I bought nine tickets to the game for for my in laws and, and, and my kids and wife and everybody. Um, and and I also feel lucky because you just mentioned it. These two teams are playing really good basketball right now, and I think when this schedule first came out this game maybe was an afterthought um uh compared to the other games this is to me is one of the highlight games uh of christmas day and and philly i I think we don't we don't give them enough uh credit for the potential of what they might be um because of their slow start hardens injury uh maxi's been out um but i think at their best they are a top five defensive team and then if they can figure out the, the right balance of Joel Embiid, uh, James Harden, either them and ISO, them working as a tandem, they certainly, to me at least on paper, have the ancillary pieces and the complementary pieces uh, that make a coherent roster. Like I think when you talk about roster building, uh, I think Daryl Morey has done a good job of building a cohesive roster. And they have shooting, they have defenders, um, they have a dynamic guy, Tyrese Maxey, who can sort of be that second or third score depending on the lineup. Um, so I still really like this team. Uh, there's still question marks about um, the playoffs because of the history. Uh, Joel Embiid, James Harden, uh, Doc Rivers obviously has won a championship, uh, but has lost a number of series uh, you know, with, with, with series leads. Um, and, and Philly sports fans are quick to point this out, of course, because they're Philly sports fans. Uh, <laughs> and then on the Knicks side, I, look, I, I, I don't know that we can start talking about the Knicks as a true contender to win the East. I don't have them on the same level as the Bucks or the Celtics, certainly. I don't have them on the same level uh, as the Sixers, the Nets, uh, or the Cleveland Cavaliers. But I, I do like what they are doing defensively. I mentioned this last week. Thank you for plugging my podcast. But I did mention this last week on the podcast. Uh, Miles McBride and Quentin Grimes have been getting a, a ton of more minutes over the last few weeks, and that has made a big impact on their defense. Uh, they, I called their game in mid-November in Golden State. Uh, they were 22nd in defense. Um, they've been number one in the league over the last nine games. Um, and that's primarily because of those two guys. They've been hounds on the defensive end and are great at the point of attack. 
JJ Reddick is my guest. JJ, one more thought about Paul before we talk about DraftKings. You mentioned the Nets. So they blew out an injury-depleted Warriors squad by 30 last night. They run their winning streak to seven straight. Now, the thing about Brooklyn, as we know, they're pretty combustible, right? They could implode at any time, but when they're good, they're great. How much are you buying the Nets? I'm buying them more. I'm buying them more. Um, you know, I, I I played 15 years in the NBA, as you mentioned. Uh, I, I generally have a good sense even from the outside of the, the energy of the team. Um, I think it's part, partly because of the way Coach K coached and his emphasis on body language and communication and eye contact and, uh, and sharing and joy and all those things that made playing at Duke so great. And you, you feel that as a player. Uh, you know, I, I, I could feel it in a locker room. I could feel it in huddles. I could feel when the energy was wrong and I could feel when the energy was right. You're not winning anything in the NBA if the energy's not right. And to me, the Nets now have that energy. On paper, yes, of course. You go back uh, to looking at their roster, you know, in September, let's say, with a healthy Ben Simmons and a healthy Seth Curry and a healthy Joe Harris, all the shooting surrounded, surrounding uh, – uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, two elite players, uh, we're starting to see the, the, the best version of that roster right now. And uh, specifically on the defensive end, they were not good there last year. They've been much better uh, during this stretch of games after starting two and six. Kevin, in particular, has been uh, an elite two-way player. He's always been good defensively, but he's been phenomenal this season. You know, I would take that point that you made even further. You're not going to win anything in life. If the energy is not right, <laughs> yeah. you know, I had coach K on last week and all we did JJ was talk leadership. We didn't talk basketball at all. And it was such a great conversation. I know you would have appreciated it. So before you go, as I mentioned, you are working with our pals at DraftKings and they've got a great promotion for NBA Christmas, no sweat bet. Tell me how that works. What exactly is that? Yeah, I mean, look, DraftKings has a, a bunch of great pro- promotions from time to time. Uh, this no sweat bet, uh, if you opt into it, you can place a bet on any Christmas Day game, and you get a free bet back if you lose. It's a, it's literally a win-win uh, situation. I uh, I've been doing these same game parlays uh, every week. We usually put them out on Wednesday on on our social accounts. By the way, I participated in them too. I'm not just making up the same game parlays and then putting a, a graphic up. I'm also uh, putting a little action in on myself. But uh, they've they've been it's been so fun, and DraftKings has been such a great partner. I, I've looked at this partnership. Uh, as, as another sort of extension of community building. It's what we try to do on the podcast. I am very fortunate that I got to play uh, basketball at a high level for so long. And when I retired, I realized I, I love being part of the basketball community. And that community is the players. That community is the fans, uh, people that work at the arena, people that talk about sports every day like you. Uh, and it's also people that bet on sports. Like that's a huge part of the, the sports community. And so, uh, working with DraftKings has just been a natural uh, you know, way to, to help continue to build our community over Old Man the Three. JJ, super quick follow, and I appreciate your time so much. You nailed it. Like, for so long, I had such pride in saying, I don't need to get down to enjoy the games. I don't need to have action to enjoy the games. But then with the legalization of gambling, now that I do, it does make it better. It's a totally different thing, isn't it? It is. It is. Look, I, I'm going to watch games regardless. Uh, like it's what I do, 
I, when I retired last year, I it was like, it was September and I was like, I'm probably not going to watch the NBA this year. And, and then, you know, I signed with ESPN and by the second week in November, I'm watching eight league passes, pass uh, games a night. And, uh, and with this draft Kings and, and the legalization of sports betting, it's just, it's a, it's another way to add to the excitement of the viewing experience of, of being a fan. And, and I've, I've been a fan of basketball for 31 years now. Nailed it. A 15-year NBA vet. He is all over all these platforms, including ESPN. And today did appear courtesy of our pals at DraftKings. They've got a great promotion for Christmas Day. JJ, so good to have you back and get caught up with you. I really appreciate you on that conversation, JJ. Thank you very much. Always love coming on. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate it. I'm talking with Jay Woods of Omega Tax Credits about small businesses under 500 employees qualifying for a tax refund from a new program. Tell me again, Jay, how long does it take for somebody saying, yeah, I don't know, I probably don't qualify. I'm saying find out because you don't know. How long does it take for them to find out? You don't have a more important 10 minutes in your day than these 10 minutes. That's it. 800-704-2000 or go to OmegaTaxCredits.com and find out. Jay is right for your business. There is not a more important 10 minutes. You'll all be shocked to find out that I still can't stop thinking about that play. I still can't stop watching that play. The play. Why? Because it was the best play. Mostly because I never want to stop thinking about that play. And my new hero, Jacoby Myers. And the Jacoby Myers Hall of Fame that I'm looking to get built. A Hall of Fame of one. The Jacoby Myers Hall of Fame. Just for Jacoby Myers. You get to walk through this museum as a tribute to him. Never mind putting him into the football Hall of Fame. I want you to create his own Hall of Fame that nobody else gets into. Not even Ramondre, who started that play. Or Mac Jones, who couldn't prevent Chandler Jones from face-planting him and strolling into the end zone. It's a one-person Hall of Fame. One bust. Now, I'm not the only one obsessing over this play. Because, not so surprisingly, the greatest play in nearly 50 years has remained a major topic all week long. And people are throwing blame all around. But, until now, I didn't really hear anybody Put it all on Mac Jones. Until I heard Julian Edelman on Inside the NFL. Again, Julian is actually one of my favorite players. I I can't get enough of his story. Like when they did the football life of Julian Edelman, I couldn't wait to find that. Couldn't wait. it. Like I I love this guy's background. I love this guy's grind. I love this guy's heart. I love this guy's grit. I I love essentially everything about the guy. I really do. Except this take. That I don't get. So let's just backtrack for a second. Jules was a Patriot great. Julian was in the building in Vegas on Sunday. He was there to see it firsthand. So it's not just merely one of the Hoodman's former stars speaking out. It's a former star that experienced the humiliation live and in person. And then tweeted a video of his reaction. What the f*** are we doing? What are we doing? That was his reaction. Essentially, my dude went, Andrew Brandt, but vulgar Andrew Brandt. What the f*** are we doing? What are we doing? doing? Like, what am I here for? 
you know, the Andrew Brandt response, but with F-bombs. What the f*** are we doing? Like, so Jules was not doing? happy. Like, what am I doing here? He was not happy, Jules. Because, of course, he wasn't happy. He just watched the Patriots literally throw away their season right in front of his face. So I get why he came in hot. I get why he came in hot on Inside the NFL this week. I just don't get why he aimed all that heat at Mac Jones. Because according to Jules, Mac was the one who needed to step up right there with the season on the line. That effectively it was his fault. That a six foot five, 260 pound Chandler Jones suddenly bearing down on him like Refrigerator Perry on the goal line. But that's not the only critique that he had. And he made it clear this is on Mac. Mac should have brought that guy down. But that's not the only critique he had for Mac. He also had this. You got to triple. Listen to what I'm saying. Just listen to what I'm saying. Season's on the line. You know, you know, say that again. You got to trip him. You got to get the last line of defense. You don't practice it. At, at worst. Bill Belichick, you know Bill Belichick will have all the quarterbacks. <laughs> you know what he also does? He doesn't practice all the, the, the antics after plays and waving off coaches and all these little, yeah. you know, pissy, like, faces and stuff. Like, he doesn't practice that and he does it. Why can't you make the Let pass? me, Let me say this. Place. I mean, wow. So, the defense is, how can Mac Jones bring down Chandler Jones? Because he doesn't practice it. And Jules' response is, yeah, well, how about all the antics and the pissy face? He doesn't practice that, but he had no problem executing those things. Pissy, like, faces and stuff. <laughs> like, like you doesn't practice that, and he does it. Wow, dude. Sort of funny. Again, I, I'm a huge fan of Jules the dude, and I'm a huge fan of Jules the player and the personality. I'm just not a huge fan of that take at all. Clearly, Jules is not a big fan of Mac Jones. Mac did not throw the ball back to himself. Is there anything more to it than that? Mac did not turn and throw the ball backwards to himself rather than staying on the ground and going to OT. Mac did not do that. Mac did not run and then with the clock hitting 0-0, turn and throw it backwards to himself instead of kneeling it out and going to OT. All huge and basically inexplicable mistakes. And none of them on Mac. All Mac did was get trucked and stiff-armed and face-planted through really no fault of his own in a play that we'll all be watching for the rest of our lives. If anything, Mac is the victim here. He basically got butt-fumbled. And it wasn't even his fault. You follow me on that? He got butt-fumbled. And it wasn't his fault. Unless you're Julian Edelman, and apparently you think it was all of his fault. Like, again, Jules. Dude, you, I mean, you're, you've done it, man. Yeah, I mean, you're the guy. You've played the game at the highest level. Believe me, you, you will forget more football than I could ever know if I started studying all day for the next 100 years. I get that. But my guy, I got to break this to you. Your best pal... And beloved Bacon 45 would not have brought him down either. In fact, Bacon Face would have gotten up looking like Edward James Olmos face. Pockmarked where Chandler cleaned him. You're welcome, clones. And that's the best case. 
Worst case for the geriatric goat is that he wouldn't have even gotten up. Although, now that I think about it for a second, Bacon getting buried by Chandler Jones instead of Mac is pretty much the only thing that would have made that play any better. And it's already a perfect play. Don't tell me there's no such thing as a perfect play. That was a perfect play. That was a perfect moment. And I thought to myself, there's no way you could ever make that any better. Yes, you could. If it was Bacon 45 who got stepped on by Chandler Jones. My point is, Mac's not having a good year. I'm not saying he is. Far from it. You can blame him for a lot of things, but you cannot blame that play on him. You cannot blame him for not being able to get Chandler Jones to the ground. That wasn't just the wrong place at the wrong time. That was the worst place at the worst time. (laughs) But again, that was only half of the Mac critique from Jules. The other part about his body language on the field, or as Edelman put it, quote, the pissy faces, the antics, the waving off coaches. Pissy, like, faces and stuff. Like, he doesn't practice that, and he does this. I mean, Jules, it's funny. It's funny that you said that. That makes me laugh, but it's not fair. I mean, yeah, Mac does wave off coaches. Mac does make pissy faces. I'm not denying any of that. Even if I wouldn't use the phrase pissy faces. I'm not saying he doesn't do those things. But I'm pretty sure the reason he does do those things is because he's coached by Matt the Pencil Patricia and Joe the Leader of Men Judge. He's making pissy faces and waving off coaches and having antics because the Ticonderoga himself is calling plays. And the mouth, the leader of men, is his position coach. And believe me, Jules, if you had to play in this offense, you would make pissy faces too, brah. Once again, imagine your idle bacon face in this same exact scenario. Try to tell me that dude would not be making pissy faces and waving off coaches, and raging, and screaming, and stomping, and destroying tablets, and acting like a child. He already does that every single week. And he's not being coached by the Ticonderoga. Just to be clear here, I'm not saying that Mac Jones is without blame. I'm not saying that he's not having a crappy year. He is. I'm happy to acknowledge that he has flat out sucked at times this year. And then he's not playing well this year. I get that. But here's what else I get. Last year, he didn't suck. Last year, he was a pro bowler. Last year, we were talking about how he was the best quarterback in the class. So what changed between last year and this year? You don't have to answer that. That was rhetorical. It's extremely obvious. We know exactly what changed. He didn't forget how to play. He didn't stop preparing. Josh McDaniels left, and he got stuck with a couple of moron coaches that have no business being in the position they're in right now, and that's on the hood. I mean, I don't see any of that as some kind of hot take. It's just logic. It's just common sense. But you know what? If you don't think that I'm credible and you don't want my opinion, take it from somebody who's been in the trenches, a former NFL GM, a former NFL GM, by the way, who has also worked in the Patriots front office under the hood himself. So this guy knows the Patriot way as well as anybody of all. 
Mike Lombardi. Mike Lombardi. Mike Lombardi. Okay, that's not really necessary. It's not helping me make my argument. I like Mike Lombardi a lot. Mike Lombardi on his GM Shuffle podcast this week had this to say about Mac Jones and the Patriots offense. There's going to have to be a really hard self-evaluation, and and it's going to have to start with the head coach because, you know, they can't throw the ball. I mean, let's just put it out there. They cannot throw the football. You know, this whole Matt Patricia, Joe Judge, it's not working. I mean, we're what? How many, what are we, in week 16? Yeah, entering week 16. I mean, like, you want to say Mac Jones sucks, but you watched him last year with Josh McDaniels. He didn't suck. Right, so you decide. I, I, I mean, they they can't throw the ball, like they have no passing game. They just run plays. I've been saying this for how long? It's bad, and, and it's not working. It's just not working. Good job, Mike. Good job, Mike. Could not have said that better myself. In fact, that's exactly what I said myself. You're just more credible. But good job. Stop blaming everything on Mac Jones, and most of all, stop blaming my new idol, Jacoby Myers, throwing the ball directly to Chandler Jones, and then blaming that on Mac because he couldn't bring down this monster. What quarterback could? Maybe Josh Allen? Who? Maybe a healthy Lamar? I'll tell you who's not. Bacon 45. And and I love the other guys trying to take the blame to take the heat off of Jacoby. Ramondre tried to take the blame. Mac did try to take the blame. But Jacoby took it himself and hounded it like a stud. Which brings me back to Jules, my man. If you're going to throw shade at the Pats, that's where you throw the shade. If you're going to take a run at somebody for an unmitigated disaster, the one that happened on Sunday, it can't be Mac. Again, he had a bad game. He had a bad game. But you can't blame that play on him. Come on. Like, this wouldn't have happened if he had gotten Chandler Jones to the ground. No, it wouldn't have happened if Ramondre did not lateral the ball to Jacoby and Jacoby didn't throw it backwards right to Chandler. Then it wouldn't have happened. So, Jules, great player, great dude. Rough take. Have you ever experienced the flavor of actual live fire cooking? We're not talking about a fire pit in the backyard. This is about the big green egg, the ultimate cooking experience. An egg is the most versatile grill you're ever going to own. You can grill, roast, smoke, sear, and even bake. I'm not kidding. Try a pizza on the egg. It'll amaze you. Stop wasting money on grills that you have to replace every few years. We've all been there. We've done that. Forget the pellets and the knockoffs too. Listen to me. Roll with an authentic big green egg. It's a ceramic marvel backed by a lifetime warranty. It's simple to light, easy to use, and it works without a power source, so there's no need to plug anything in. And with the playoffs and the holidays approaching, you cannot beat a smoked turkey on an egg. It also makes an amazing gift, and they have two models that are perfect for tailgating. The best part is you can have it delivered to your house for free from a local dealer in your community. That's right. Shop online at BigGreenEgg.com. Have it delivered to your house for free. That's BigGreenEgg.com, and you will thank me later. Billy Napier is my guest. Billy, it's good to have you back. How are you? 
I'm doing great, Jim, man. Appreciate uh, the opportunity. Uh, really thankful for all you've done to help me and our programs throughout the years. Billy, I appreciate you, and I appreciate you always giving us access and always coming on the program as well. I know you got a lot going on right now, so let me pick my spots. Let me first ask you, we had talked before, previous to this, but, well, numerous times, of course, but in terms of the Gators, obviously the season did not end the way you would have liked, but how would you characterize your first season overall with the Gators, and did you accomplish a lot of things and get the systems in place that you were looking to establish? Yeah, no doubt. Um, without question, uh, we had work to do upon arrival. You know, a lot of things to get uh, this organization in a position to where it can compete. Um, you know, obviously a lot of that starts with hiring great people, right? Building infrastructure. I feel uh, confident that we're able to do that. We've hired a fantastic group of people. Um, we made a transition uh, into a new facility, you know, about 10 days before the opener. Uh, we're navigating the transfer portal. We're navigating NIL. Uh, I feel like we are working hard to improve our roster. Um, I think we improved our, our team dynamics, right, the, the brotherhood there, the togetherness there. I'm excited about the core group of veterans that we have coming back and obviously added a, a really talented group yesterday. Um, and we'll continue to work hard. But uh, there's no question we learned a lot. But uh, I think we've got all of our systems built um, and really excited about kind of turning the page in year two and, and becoming more efficient and refining everything that we do. Billy Napier is joining us, and you did have a big day yesterday, which I'll ask you about. And I know you want to move on to 2023. I know you're anxious to hit that running. Let me ask you one more thing about this year. I mean, regardless, and you came in very well prepared. You had an intricate plan, too. But regardless of how hard you go, Billy, and how diligently you prepare, there are just some things that you can't possibly know until you're in it. What is something you know now about the place or the job that maybe you didn't know before you got it? Well, I, I just think that um, when you're dealing with people, you know, and really college football uh, is hundreds of people. You know, I mean, it's uh, truly a team dynamic, right, not only within the staff but also within the players, right? And the relationship piece uh, and how much your time is divided in the first year as you solve a lot of problems and uh, really you're teaching a lot of people you know, how you do things, defining expectations. Um, I just think it takes time. You know, I was listening to a podcast the other day with Chris Peterson and, you know, it, talking about how it takes 18 to 24 months to truly uh, change over a culture. Um, and I would agree with him. You know, I think we're right in the middle of that process. But um, last year was the first year um, that there was job transition with the portal and with NIL, right? And I think that there was a learning curve there. There were things that were new, you know, that we had to uh, adjust to. So uh, I'm excited. Um, the one thing I would tell you that I've learned is that University of Florida is a special place. Um, very impressive uh, education that we have to offer, obviously the history and tradition of the football program. Uh, and we have a very powerful almost a half a million living alumni. Um, we got a very capable place that wants to win, and our administration has given us the resources uh, to do that. So just very thankful. You know, I think um, the old Ray Allen quote, the greatest gift we have in life is opportunity. 
I'm thankful for this one. You know, we're planning our work, uh, and we're working our plan. A lot of early mornings, a lot of late nights, but, uh, man, it's a lot of fun and certainly uh, looking forward to the future. Especially of late. Lots of late nights, lots of early mornings. I want to take a moment and talk to you about one of my favorite, favorite products ever. A product that I used to buy and consume and share long before we had any kind of partnership on this podcast. I'm talking about Omaha Steaks. Absolutely love Omaha Steaks. Have for years. And now the holidays are here. So achieving gifting greatness when you give the gift of perfectly aged, tender, and delicious Omaha Steaks to me is a no-brainer. The steak experts at Omaha Steaks have put together special curated gift packages to help take the guesswork out of gifting and to make you a holiday hero. What you want to do is go to omahasteaks.com, take advantage of 50% off site-wide, plus use the code ROME, R-O-M-E, at checkout and get an additional $40 off your order. Again, it's a no-brainer. Send an assortment of mouth-watering favorites guaranteed to impress like the legendary Butcher's Cut Filet Mignon, air-chilled boneless chicken, ultra-juicy burgers, and an even easy-to-prepare comfort meal or two that are ready in a flash. Omaha Steaks is ready to ship your order right away, so shop early and beat the shipping rush. Go to omahasteaks.com, use my promo code ROME, R-O-M-E, at checkout. Omaha Steaks is a gift from the heart. It's a gift that will be remembered with every unforgettable bite. Order with complete confidence today, knowing that you are ordering the very best. Once again, go to omahasteaks.com, 50% off site-wide, plus use the promo code ROMA checkout to get an extra $40 off your order. Minimum order may be required. That's omahasteaks.com, promo code ROME. You know, I think that's really interesting what you said about Coach Pete, that he said in terms of turning over a new culture, it takes 18 to 24 months and would stand a reason, right? I mean, you have to learn them. They have to learn you. You're bringing in new players. You're trying to retain the ones you have. It's going to take time. In fact, what about the system? Billy, when you talk about NIL, it seems to me it's long overdue, that you needed to do something. You need to have something. I'm in favor of it. But having something like that is one thing, and then rolling it out the right way is another. So how do you view the current system, and do you think it's working the way it's supposed to work? Well, I do. I am a firm believer that the players deserve a piece of the pie. You know, I think within my coaching career, uh, I've observed the, the revenue that's been generated by college football absolutely explode, uh, and certainly that revolves around the players. Um, I do think it's a very fluid situation. You know, we need parameters. Um, you know, we need guidelines, and we need some way to um, who's monitoring this process, right? Who's defining what's legal, what's illegal, um, I think a lot of that is up in the air right now, and that's what's created uncertainty for coaches. And I, I would tell you that the coaches in our profession are frustrated. Um, I do believe it's a positive at the University of Florida. We've been able to create really sound systems that are state law approved, compliance approved. Uh, I think we're doing a lot to educate our players. Financial literacy is a huge component here. I do think that this helps their transition to life after football. Um, it's all about perspective. I think you got to use it as a vehicle to help your players develop as people. Uh, that's our intent. Um, but I, I do think that this is something that has, uh, continues to evolve every day. Um, and I think we need more parameters and more guidance about how to do it. And, you know, 
I think it's an area where uh, we need someone enforcing, you know, what's what's legal, what's illegal. You certainly are not the first coach, Billy, who has said that on this show. Billy Napier joining us, Florida Gators head coach. So time will tell, of course, but analysts gave you really high marks for what you accomplished on National Signing Day. A lot of folks have you in the top ten. Do you feel like you and your staff hit most of your targets? You'll never get everything, but do you feel like you hit most of your targets? And what kind of marks would you give you and your your staff for how things went? Well, I, I do believe, um, you know, college football recruiting is kind of like playing baseball, right? You bat 300, you're pretty good, right? So, you know, you got to recruit a lot of kids to get down to about 25, and I'm really excited about the group that chose the University of Florida yesterday, but you know, we've got a very thorough process to evaluate uh, height, length, verified speed, functional movement, critical factors for every position. Um, and I think this group not only passes the physical evaluation, but also the character component. Um, you know, we stuck with our inside-out recruiting plan. You know, we 70% of the class was from the state of Florida. Uh, so I think that's a great day. You know, a lot of work left to do. You know, we'll use the January period for portal players. We're going to use February to evaluate the players that are left over that didn't sign yesterday. Um, you know, we're, we're going into year two and, and still um, aggressive relative to trying to improve our roster. We're talking to Billy Napier for a few more moments. In terms of that quarterback room, it's pretty important, right, the quarterback room? You have quarterback Graham Mertz, who made it official. He's going to transfer in from Wisconsin. What are you hoping that he brings to your offense and the program overall? Well, we're we're excited about um, you know the entire room. You know, I think Graham is a, a player that's 32 starts. Right, he's played a lot of football in the Big Ten. He's played in um, a place that has tradition. Right, that the. Uh, um, the magnifying lens is always on you, right? And I think that experience, when you think about the quarterback room that we do have with Jack Miller, Max Brown, Jaden Rashada, very much a young room. Uh, and I think that he has experience and a guy that can bring that to our team. Um, I do think that it's going to be very competitive, you know, and I think Graham kind of uh, gives it, solidifies the future of that room and helps our football team. Um, I do think Graham is very talented. If you go back and evaluate his career, um, also as a high school player, one of the best quarterbacks in the entire country. Um, this is a, a good player, uh, very smart. He came and visited for a couple of days, very impressed with uh, his perspective on the game and in life. Uh, I'm excited about what he brings to our football team. Talking to Billy Napier for a few more moments. So, Billy, really quickly, you're your own guy. You're your own man. But, of course, you worked as an assistant coach for both Dabo Sweeney and Nick Saban. Beyond their amazing achievements and winning of the Natties, what else would you say about Dabo and Nick in terms of what do they share in common and then what makes them different? Well, conviction about who they are as people and what they want their program to be about, right? And I, I do believe um, – both define expectations. Both have well-organized plans throughout the entire, all parts of the organization. I think they uh, both are very bright. Both um, certainly have been exposed to good poop people throughout the years that helped them develop who they are and what they expect from the, the team. Um, 
I also think they do a good job of surrounding themselves with good people, you know, and, and not only staff, but also through evaluation and recruitment, good players. Um, you know, I, I think overall there's more similarity than difference. You know, I think they've got a set of values that they believe in. Um, I think the number one thing that we've taken is that we have, we believe in creating an organization that has life-changing impact that is more than just football. You know, that's our intent here at the University of Florida is to have a um, holistic approach, right, where we're working just as hard on who the player is as a person. Uh, we're prioritizing their education and we're teaching football at a high level, developing people and football players. Uh, and really a philosophy to use football and don't let football use them, right? So, um, you know, we're we're off to a great start. I'm excited about what we built. You know, obviously had a lot of work to do upon arrival here. But, you know, you turn back, I think we've got everything built. Now it's time to go get more efficient at it, refine everything. I think everybody's going to benefit the compound effect of year two here. So uh been blessed to learn and be around not only the head coaches uh, that I've worked for, but a lot of great assistants and support staff members. All right, so leave me with this thought. In terms of year two, Utah won 10 games this year. They're getting ready to play Penn State in the Rose Bowl. You beat the Utes in your season opener in a dramatic comeback at the Swamp. How big of a test will that rematch against Utah be in September in Salt Lake City? And when you've got that and you know you have that, can that really lock you in during the offseason? Yeah, no, I think any time, I mean, that's been uh, it's been a benefit. A lot of the teams that we played on throughout the year, when you've got a great challenge there in the opener, um, I think it does it does help the focus of the team. You know, I, I believe we've got a lot of work done to do between now and then, right? So, you know, I think one of the important parts of what we do is we focus on what's next, right? So uh, we're on a little bit of a break now, but we're preparing for a January – contact period um and then we'll get ready for our players to show back up on january the 8th um we've got 20 um 20 plus players that'll you know rookies that will join our team at mid-semester so one phase at a time here um that game's coming uh, but right now, you know, it's more about the current work and staying focused on what's right here in front of us. No doubt. Always be exactly where your feet are. Florida's going to open up the 2023 season with a great matchup. That's at Utah, Salt Lake City. Billy Napier is the head coach of the Gators. Billy, great to have you on the show. Always great to have you on the show. Appreciate that, and I know we'll do it again soon. You got it, Jim. Thank you, man. Have a great day. You too, have Billy. Fun. Have a great day. This is one of the best segments of the week arguably the best segment of the week, every single week, you can call in beef about anything you want. It doesn't have to just be sports. It can be. Anything. Keep it clean, but anything. Your work, your life, your business, your family, your significant other, your siblings, your roommates, me, you, anybody, anything. You can beef about anything. Everybody's got to have a beef, right? I'll even start you off. To me, this is not a reason to go, but it's something I do not understand. Every morning when I go to Starbucks, there's always somebody who's pulled in and they leave their car running. They leave their car running and they walk into the Starbucks and they get their coffee. Generally, I'm sure they've ordered ahead. But even then, it would only take 
a car thief one second to get into your car, which is running, and drive off. Is it really that hard to get back in your car, put the key in the ignition, or step on the brake and hit the ignition button? I don't get that. Not only is that lazy, that's just stupid. Here, take my car. Why don't you leave your wallet on the seat too? And your watch. That's my beef. People who keep their cars running when they run into Starbucks to get their coffee. Dude, it's not that much work. Turn the engine off, lock the freaking door, go in, get your Joe, come back out, open the door, sit down, hit the ignition. Well, that took four seconds. Dude, how much of a rush do you think you're in? How important are you? Not that important. I guarantee it. All right, so there's a beef to get you started. Why don't we do the phones first? 1-800-636-8686. We go to Driftwood. Ben. Hey, Ben, what's your beef? Happy holidays, Rome and family in the XR4TI and Clone Nation. My beef involves food or specifically ordering it. Maybe I'm old-fashioned or traditional, but I was always taught the polite way to order started with I would like to get, or could I please have? Now, every time I'm in line to order, the millennial person in front of me always starts with, I'll do a burrito bowl, or I'm going to do the nitro brew. I can. Ah, I'm going no. to do this phone like call. I don't like that call. Not a very good call. Get in, set it up, knock it down. Get in. Set it up, knock it down. Hey, Rome, my beef is. Bam. Let's keep this thing moving. Let's go to Kathleen in Omaha. She understands. Kathleen, what is this week's beef? The Giants were almost paying all that money to Earthworm Frog Carlos Correa, but they wouldn't give chocolate chip cupcake Madison what he wanted. They just let Sugarkin walk out the door. After all he's done for those ass donkeys, they can't make a better effort to keep Sugar Plum. You're the best, Kathleen. How many different nicknames do you have for Mad Bum? Chocolate Chip Cupcake, Sugar Plum. But she had beef, and she got in, she got out. She knows how to do it. Let's go to the fee. V in the fee. V, dude, what's your beef? My beef is with Salt Bitch. Urgh, salt Bay. First off, no grown man with a brain should use the word Bay, let alone call himself Bay. Secondly, that idiot is Turkish. So why was he celebrating with Argentina again? And lastly, the scam artist, Scam Bay, charges up to two grand for his garbage ass steaks at his garbage ass restaurant. What a freaking loser. Hey, Merry Christmas, Jarome. Thanks for the great year. Love the show. Out. Attaboy, V. Nice job. That's how you do it. I like it. Merry Christmas to you too, dude. Appreciate you. Thank you very much. Like I always say with V, he'll give you an A plus or he'll give you an F minus. That was neither, but that was much closer to an A plus. Good job, V. I like it. I like what I hear. Phone lines are open. one 800 636 8686. Let's go to New Orleans. Tommy in New Orleans. Tommy, good to have you. What's your beef? Jump man, I'd like to reset a beef I voiced a couple of years ago, but continues to go unheated. 
Yo, you kooks running around all over creation with your plush red noses and your plastic wreaths and your fake-ass antlers jammed in the grills and windows of your vehicle. Quit it. I like you it. losers, don't even get me started on your lit garland roof. I'm sure all of those are electrically uh, safe and installed according to code. I mean, what could possibly go wrong with that? Look, hey, you zealots, would you all please stop waterboarding us with your shallow, contrived, and possibly life-threatening Christmas cheer and go hold yourselves up with the other dongs who leave their Christmas lights on their house all year round. Late. My man, you can reset that every single time. He's had enough of Christmas cheer guy and the fake antler is on the front of the car. That is a pretty stupid look. I'm not saying I'm anti-holidays. In fact, I went to a great Christmas party over the weekend. Had a lot of fun. Must have because, again, I invited a bunch of people that I just met hours earlier to come stay with us this summer in Wisconsin. I must have had a good time. So I'm not saying that I'm anti-holidays. I'm anti-idiots putting antlers on their car. I'll draw the line there. Let's go to Michigan. We're doing the phones first. If you want to hit me up on social, go ahead and do it. It is our last beef segment of the year. Tom in Michigan. It's good to have you, Tom. What's your beef? Thanks for the line, Jim. I have a beef with the jungle. Forgive me a really bad case of JT. It's affecting my family. We were coming out of the restaurant the other day, and my five-year-old daughter wanted to race me through a, uh, a busy parking lot, and I said, no, no, no. My one-year-old son then said to me, Daddy, look, a car. And I said, son, you got a big dump in your pants. Now we got to find, now we got to change you and find the garbage. Then my wife came out, she's pregnant, and she said she had too much to eat, and she asked me, she said, hey, do I look fat? And I thought, oh, awkward. And then, then I... Oh, Alvin, why? You don't like that car. I don't like that I don't think he is lying. Not a very good car. Honestly, dude, Tom, sorry about that. I don't, I don't want to undermine Alvin by apologizing to you for Alvin doing what is his responsibility. Again, I don't have the buzzer. There's no button that I can push. It's all on Alvin. I don't know what the guy did wrong because I don't think he was lying. We are all suffering from jungle Tourette's. Even me, there is no vaccination for it. There is no antidote for it. We're stuck with it. I, I prided myself for so long on never, ever getting it, but I have the virus. It's JT19. JT19, we all have it. I would disagree with that, dude. Alvy, I, I do not think you should have run him. All right, let's keep moving. Why don't we go to Pittsburgh? Love the Berg. Jeff in Pittsburgh. Jeff, what's your beef? Hey, Jim. My beef is with sauna guy that walks. He opens the sauna door. He sees that we're almost at capacity, but that's okay. Scoot over, young man. Make some room for the old timer. <laughs> My Good man. day, Jim. Nice job, Jeff. Well done. <laughs> Move over, young man. Old guy needs to sweat it out here in the sauna. I like that. Well done. Good job, Pittsburgh. That is awesome. Back to Michigan. Let's go to Rob in Michigan. Rob, good to have you. What's your beef? Merry Christmas, Jim. You too. All right. My beef is with that whirling doofus Gino in San Antonio, the guy that's always bagging on Michigan, bagging on Detroit. Hey, Gino, I spent a month in San Antonio one day, and it's great if you like heat, dust, venomous snakes, and big women. 
So my suggestion to you is you go over to the Alamo, climb to the top, and take a running leap at a rolling donut, you bag. Bye. That a boy, Rob. Nice job. This is what the beef segment's for. Now we've got some momentum. Now we're back on track. I like it. 1-800-636-8686. I give you that phone number so you can get a chance to call. Let me read some of the beefs. It says, the beef is with the manufacturer of Christmas lawn decorations. Why do they have a 20-foot Santa Claus with a 3-inch cord to plug in? Do they expect that we plug all of our decorations 3 inches from the outlet? So they expect us to go to a hardware store to buy hundreds of dollars worth of extension cords. Have a great holiday season, Brother Jim. Brian and Phoenix, I feel you, Brian. And you know that that's not a quinky dink. They are setting us up like that. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas, brother. Snags. Brother. My beef is with Winter Solstice Guy. This guy goes around telling everyone this is his favorite day as the days only get longer after it. Listen, bro. You shouldn't have a favorite day outside of your birthday. Also, we know what day it is as we paid attention in seventh grade science class. War Eagle, Clubber in HB. Hey, Jim, my beef is with families that wear matching attire on Christmas. It's not cute, it's not funny, and it's not original. You look lame. John in Erie. We got into it last night at dinner because Jake is home from college. Logan still lives at home, and the Christmas card is a thing. And Janet again said, oh, it's so sweet. Everybody loves the card. And everybody's saying how handsome you two boys are. And I look across the table, and I look at Jano, and I look at Rogues. Check that, Machine Gun Kelly. And I look at Jake, and I'm like, yo, respectfully, digitized. You know those kids look, you, you look nothing like those two. Nobody would even know. Digitized. And then Janet's like, no, no, that's not true. I'm like, look at that kid. If I'd received that, that is my kid. If I'd received a card in the mail from that or from you, I'd be like, who are those two? Oh, oh, they're my kids. So there's that. In terms of, oh, the reason I brought that up, she put them in matching slacks. I'm like, all right, Jano. It was cute when they were six and nine. They're like 17 and 21. Bros, look me in the eye. You're such good sports about it. You're a much better sport about it than I've ever been. Look at me, Machine Gun Kelly. Look at me, Jake. Do you like those pants or are you doing it because you're good kids and you're placating mom because they look like matching capri plaid slacks? Jan's like, they're not capris. I'm like, well, they look like capris, and they're matching. But they both had mama's back. They said it. We like them. It's not our favorite thing to do, but we like. We both like these slacks. So, by the way, she's still doing it, and they're practically adults. Jake is, and Logan, if he was a little more responsible, would already be an adult. So it's even happening in our family. Romy, what's my beef? The dude in my office that claims to be a coffee addict but then proceeds to show up every day rocking a giant cup of full brown sludge covered in caramel, sugar, and whipped cream. Hey, D-bag, that's not coffee. 
Order it black or get the hell out. Signed, Geoff and Lincoln. I take mine black. I agree. I've never, ever, 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 ever put anything in a cup of coffee. Not a cube of sugar, not creamer, nothing. I Mushrooms, just mushrooms. Mushroom powder that Cindy brought. And even I stopped doing that. The only thing I put in my coffee is a shot of espresso. I do do that every day. I, the, only th- the only coffee, the only thing I put in my coffee is more coffee. I'm like the, the psycho that goes grande nitro cold brew with an ad shot. Let's see here. Talk to me, Romy. My beef is simple. It's with you. Leaving us all next week to fend for ourselves is a dangerous ask. Reno in Irvine. Dude, is your name Reno? And you're in Irvine. We're grabbing that $75 medium rare fillets rib at Javier soon. I hate it, but I love it. I don't look, Javier's is not inexpensive. I've never said that to you. I've never, I've always said go to Javier's, go to Javier's. It's my favorite spot. I've never said go to Javier's, it's inexpensive. I've never said that. And believe me, I order shots of 42 there. It's not inexpensive. There, where I live, like in and around Orange County, Newport, I've seen restaurants charge upwards of 50 bucks for a shot of 42. I mean, absurd. Absurd. I'm going to say the average is 40. Is 40. So don't, don't think that I don't get one in me before I go. In Madison, it was 25 bucks. Back in Newport, the average is 40, 42. 42 for the 42. Javier's, to me, whatever, there is nothing on that menu that you go wrong with, but it's not inexpensive. First of all, my man has restaurants in real estate that is extraordinarily expensive. That's part of the problem. And number two, it's the freaking best restaurant ever. Of course he's going to charge that kind of money because he can. I've got no problem with it. SA Sports Honk. Rome. I've got a beef with hotels. They started using the TV remote condom during COVID, and now they've done away with it. That remote is as filthy as the phone next to the toilet. Keep it wrapped up, cheapskates. Hashtag, what's your beef? That's interesting. Or you can bring your own condom, dude, and put it on the remote yourself. Your own remote rubber. Dryline Farmer, Trader Brent. My beef is with 50-year-old New Year's Eve party guy who excoriates me for saying that I'm just going to chill at the house with the wife this year instead of going out and getting blasted December 31st. I've had my share of New Year's Day's hangovers. I'm good. I don't know, dude. I mean, great use of the word excoriates. I like that a lot, but come on. If if the guy wants to stay in, who cares? You do you. He'll do him. You do the math. He'll do the pasta. Whatever. Romy, my beef is that this is the last show of the year. Just kidding. 
Thanks to you and the XR4TI for an amazing year in the jungle. Wishing you and all the clones a Merry Christmas. Amber in Portland. War the worst dad joke. See you next year. Hey, Amber, thank you. Thank you, Amber. You made the show better. War you, Amber. I always say, can you make it better? Can you make it better? Amber is one of the people who makes it better. War you. Merry Christmas. Hitman Canadian, quote, my beef is with my wife who criticizes my gift wrapping skills. Sure, it is not pristine, but it's just paper around a toy that the kids will use for a week and ditch. And yet she'll complain if I say, I don't want to wrap gifts. Hashtag can't win. Hashtag married life. I got a beef. <clears throat> Mostly with myself. I, I have nightmares of being in high school and middle school and being unable to effectively wrap textbooks. Do they still do that ever? Alvi, do you remember that? I'm always going to the second oldest guy in the, in the group. Book covers. Like if you had a bio book or a math book, you used to have to cut up a grocery bag, a paper bag, and wrap it to protect it. Do you remember that? And you used to catch a lot of bleep from the teachers if you didn't. I could never figure that out either. Hated that, man. Hated that. Let's see. I have a beef with air boxing gym guy. The dude air boxes in between sets to let everybody know that he takes boxing lessons and he thinks he's in 1986 Mike Tyson. It's good. Does he make the Nate Diaz sound too? When he puts his punches together, does he go? When he puts together flurries of punches. Dear Jim. My beef is with the people who haul ass in the airport. Newsflash, bucko. Unless your car broke down on the way here, then nobody sympathizes with you. If you as much as brush my shoulder, then we will be throwing hands. We're using your alarm clock. Grand South Carolina. There's something to that, right? There is so much, so much tension and stress with travel. Especially this week. Cran, my, my guess is if you're traveling this week, you're going to let the hands go. Back to the phones. I like us bouncing back and forth. This is solid. Y'all rallied. I like it. Are we going to go to line five? Orlando. Joe in Orlando. Joe, what's your beef? Hey, Jim. I got a beef with my mom. I'm down here for the holidays, and she buys these scented garbage bags. Hey, Ma. You know what smells even worse than rotten food in your trash can? Rotten food with a hint of lavender. I'm about to add a third smell to that concoction. Vom. <laughs> well done, Joe. 1-800-636-8686. Look who's here. My man. My guy. In the middle of a beef segment. Let's go to Portland. James, my man, what's your beef? My man, ho, 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 and a bottle of brass monkey. My beef is with my beef. And I know Alvy and Greg Maddox suffer from these all the time, but my beef's with boofnars. Hell, Jim, 
I'm walking in the office like the hunchback in Notre Dame, and Pinocchio's in my pants telling lies. Come on! Alvin. Ah. Today, I'm walking into the office, and Pinocchio is in my pants telling lies. And Alvin's like this. What? Pinocchio is in my pants telling lies. Come on! Well, okay, Alvin, what? What? Alvin's like, yeah, you're right. You're right. He, he started to make an argument. Alvin, I know that's your guy. But you can't defend your guy when he's talking about rocking Pinocchio in his pants from lying. Greg, and he invoked the name of Greg Maddox. All right? He loves to pitch. James Portland loves to go into the office. Maddox loves to pitch. And James Portland loves to go to work in the office. Let's go to Kevin in NoCal. What's up, Kevin? What's your beef? My beef is with DoorDash customers who complained when I was 20 minutes, not late, early. I'm out there running around, running stop signs, speeding around, and they don't appreciate it. <laughs> My man, every week Kevin calls with a beef about his customers that he has to deal with is a DoorDash delivery person, and it never not works. It makes me laugh every time because it's always something. I got a beef. It's going to hit really close to home. Because I think I'm going to beef about somebody or something, and they're going to hear it and think I'm talking about them. You know what my beef is with the holidays? People showing up in my house whenever the hell they want unannounced because they have, quote, gifts. If I knew you were coming, I would be in the Tower of Hate. Blinds drawn on the pelly to avoid interaction. That's harsh, and that's true. But the holiday season is a green light for everybody to just drop in. How many? Okay, I'm different. You may not have an issue with people doing that. I have a tiny bit of an issue, and my wife, Dr. Jano, has no issue. I would never just drop in on your house unannounced. It's just me. But during the holiday season, everybody does. And if I And believe me, this is not an argument I'll ever win with a wife. Because Dodger Jan will be like, what is the matter with you? She, I mean, she doesn't talk to me like that, but she's like, hello, it's sweet. They're bringing you a present. Hello. They love us. They love you, Jimmy. They're bringing you a present. It's sweet. They made this for you. Yeah, That too. They made food. Great. Now there's more crap in the pantry that I can't avoid. Nor a conversation with said baker that I cannot avoid. That's something else about the holidays. I like a lot of things about the holidays, but not that. There's just way too many people showing up unannounced that I, I just I get trapped. It's a minefield. A minefield of, quote, friends. Oh, just stepped on him. Bam, lost a leg. Yeah, but I haven't seen that kind in five years. Right. Beef. I, I don't know that I've ever had multiple beefs. During a beef segment. Let's keep this thing going. It's going fast. I'm having fun. Let's go to Oregon. Sean in Oregon. Good to have you, Sean. What is your beef? 
Hey, Jim, I got a problem. I got a beef with these passive aggressive people that got a beef with you, but they don't tell you. They just kind of mean mug you. And you got to go over to them and ask if they got a beef with you, or maybe if they'd like a beef with you. Or maybe these people go on a radio show and tell you about their beefs because they won't tell you. Merry Christmas, brother. How did he end that? Oh, Merry Christmas, brother. I agree, dude. Brother. Let's communicate. Let's communicate. In fact, it's awesome. Frank, do we have this? Frank Martin said that to me yesterday. We had a conversation on the Jim Rohn podcast. He said, you know, like back then and still now, we communicate. We talk to each other. We have hard conversations. If there is an issue, we talk it out. We don't thumb it out in a tweet. Like I just said it, man. I Save your passive aggressive bullcrap. If you have a problem, come to me as a man and tell me to my face what your problem is instead of me mugging and being passive aggressive about it. Communicate. Let's communicate. I'm a man. I'm 40. I like that. Let's try Ed in SA. It's a great beef segment. I love this beef segment. Ed, what's your beef? Hey, I'm E. Feliz Navidad. Feliz yeah, Navidad. My beef, my beef is charcoal. I'm in the backyard trying to fire up the grill. I end up having a wrestling match with the Kingsford. Why don't you design something a little easier to get into? You know, kind of like Kathleen backstage in an Avatar concert. Get him out! Ah! That's not a good call. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Not a very good call. No, you did not. No, you did not, Ed. The second I went to him, James Kelly perked right the hell up. James Kelly's like, is this my dude? You know, based on how he ended that phone call, James, that's your dude. Come on, bro. Not cool. Not cool at all. Don't rack that, Alvin. All right, we're not out of time yet. We're getting there, but not yet. Let's keep going. We go to Tennessee. Rowdy. Rowdy, what's your beef? Merry Christmas, Jim, and here's my beef. You get up and you go to work. It starts to sprinkle, then it drizzles, then it stops. Starts to sprinkle, then it drizzles, then it stops. You turn on your windshield wipers. You turn them off. You turn them on. You turn them off. Hey, let's put them on delay. You speed it up. You turn it down. You speed it up. You turn it down. Mother Nature, make up your damn mind. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Rowdy. Isn't there a setting on the windshield wiper that when it rains, it automatically just wipes it? And then when it stops, it doesn't? Or, or am, I, am I flexing too much? Am I flossing? Am I up here flossing about my windshield wipers? I'm, my bad. I'm sorry. But I've been there. My first car ever was a 67 Mustang. Trust me, I had issues with the windshield wipers. 1-800-636-8686. I know we're at the bottom of the hour. Let me see if there's anything written that works. Did that, did that, did that. Rome, my birthday was yesterday. My beef is with people who tell me, wow, your birthday is so close to Christmas. Thank you, Captain Obvious. Tell me something I don't know. Freddie in Sacktown. Zachary, quote, my beef is with my wife. She forgot today was our 25th anniversary. 
Will I get any extra tonight to make up for it? Hell no. I'll still have to drive to and pay for dinner and go watch some sappy chick flick. No sloppy toppy in the ride or hole in the popcorn bucket. Dude. Did you read that first, Chalk? Rome Slice. I got beef with you having a beef with people leaving their car running. You pay taxes in Wisco. It gets cold in the Midwest, Jimmy. You know this. I would rather risk my car being stolen rather than spend one second sitting in a cold car when the wind chill is 40 below. I know you would too. Signed, Geoff and Lincoln. That's fine, Geoff. I guess maybe for people like you, Geoff, I should have qualified that by saying, for those of us who live in California. Geoff, I don't live full-time in Wisconsin. You know that, Geoff. Geoff, you know everything about me. You stalk me. You know what I meant, Geoff. Break. Why? Why break, Alvin? Geoff. Don't do that, Geoff. You know exactly what I meant, Geoff. Good night, now!